Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Can we say thanks to the choir and the worship team for leading us and to God's presence today? Well, we're so glad to see each and every one of you. So glad that you're here. Why don't you just tell a friend next to you right now, you picked a great day to come to church. What a great, great day for you to be in God's house. We're going to continue on in our series on Summer Playlist, Sermons to Strengthen Your Soul. And uh, I'm really excited about the work that God has for you today, and I want to jump straight into it. But I believe that God's going to do something specific. You believe for that today? I believe He's going to do something personal for you. Can you say amen to that? And so I just want to double-dog dare you to say, I refuse to miss out on what God has for me today. God's about to talk to me. Do you believe that today? The Lord's going to speak to you. I just want to pray over you right now. Would you please stand to your feet right now? Just stand up. We're just going to get in a place of expectation. And uh, if you're ready for this, you just take your hands and open them up just with a posture saying, God, I'm ready to receive all that you have for me. Lord, I thank you for this privilege to come into your house. I thank you for your word that's anointed. I thank you for your word that is timeless and it is timely. And I pray that today you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you want to show us and speak to us today because we want to be more like you. Have your way. I pray that no weapon formed against this service would prosper. No distraction, Lord, no lie would prevail, but we would embrace your truth and be changed by it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Man, you are seated right now next to a world changer, a history maker, an overcomer. That's who you're next to right now. You do realize that, right? Get a good look at them. Man, that's a cool person right there. They've got an amazing story. How many of you know that no matter what your story, that pain is a part of all of our stories? Just wave at me if that's true for you, right? And so as we're in this series on Summer Playlist and the Sermons to Strengthen Your Soul, I want us to talk a little bit about how pain plays into our stories, specifically how to persevere through pain. Unless I miss my guess, most all of us walked into this place today with some type of pain. Might be a physical pain. Somebody came limping in today. Somebody is carrying some burden, some type of uh, emotional pain. Maybe pain from loss. All of us experience pain. But how do we handle it? When I graduated from high school, I was so excited to go to Evangel College, Evangel University now, and was going to play uh, football as a quarterback and was going to go on a, on a football scholarship. Couldn't wait to go and, and play football. And I thought, how cool is this? I'm called into the ministry and sports will pay for my education. And, and this is really, really exciting. And then my first year, before the season, season really even started, I injured my back. I thought it was just going to be a season-ending injury. Turned out to be a career ending injury, and so it was over before it started, and so there was a lot to work through with that pain. Obviously, the pain itself, the physical pain, but then the confusion. You see, I thought that God had plans for me to go into full-time ministry and that I was supposed to use sports as a platform to speak to sports camps, to speak to young people, and, and that was going to be the way that the doors would open for me. So now that, that sports were gone, I thought, there goes my ministry. I know that right now it can seem a little silly, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking back and I have hindsight now. But at the time, I thought, now 
how am I going to have a chance to preach? How will I have an opportunity to speak at camps and whatnot? Well, uh, I had to work through that, but not only just getting clarity from the Lord that he could still use me and ministry was still uh, a part of my future, but I still also had to work through the pain. I went and did physical therapy. That didn't help it. Went and saw a doctor, and uh, he performed an MRI, and he said, you have a large rupture disc at L5-S1. He said, this is classic textbook. I can take care of it, and I think that you'll be back to normal. And so I, I had my surgery, and then afterwards I still had my pain. And so, you know, in our day and time, you know how it is on the Internet, there's, there's something for everything, right? Not to mention every one of us have an aunt who has some type of home remedy, you know, or something that, you know, just rub this cream on, put these magnets in your shoes, you know, wear this, this belt, you know, do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around, you know, at some point, like, everybody's got these ideas, so, man, I, whatever it was, cream, I put magnets, I was wearing it, smoked this vape, I didn't smoke vape, but anyway, all these different things, try this, try this, try this, work for me, this work for me, this work for me, this work for me, electrical stimulation, a portable pack that I'd wear, I'd go to chiropractors, I did acupuncture, I, uh, didn't want to do more surgeries, so I was just looking for some type of ba- breakthrough. I, I consulted and met with doctors in North Carolina, Kentucky, Alabama, Arizona, Missouri, California, and Texas. Steroid injections, chiropractic, all of the different things that I could try. And each year it wasn't getting any better, it was getting worse. So four back surgeries and a total disc replacement later, I was out of options. There's nothing else that we could even try or do. And frankly, I was tired of making a habit of back surgeries, you know. So I didn't want another one of those and had not improved. But with the scar tissue, with the nerve damage, with the degeneration of the disc, things were getting worse. I used to be able to run up and down the football field or the basketball court, but now I'm unable to walk any uh, significant distance without having to stop and rest for a few minutes and let the pain subside a bit so I can continue to walk. I used to be able to lift weights, and now I can't lift my children. And so I'm, I'm having this new normal now that's setting in. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? The pain was just unbearable. I had difficulty sleeping, and so my doctor, my primary care doctor, knowing all that we had tried, his only solution was to continue to increase my medication. So I was taking muscle relaxers, I was taking uh, anti-inflammatories, I was taking narcotics. He's trying different combinations of medicines. Any of you that have been down that path before, you know that even if something is helping a little bit, after a while, you need to increase the dosage, your body gets used to it. So each year, I was trying new stuff and adding new stuff and increasing the dosage And it got to the point to where I was just taking medication, strong medication, around the clock. Oxycodone, hydrocodone, just to function. This went on for years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I know what y'all are thinking. Some are like, well, man, you a pastor. Didn't you pray? Yes, I prayed. I talked to Jesus a lot. Help, Lord. Please, God. Take the pain away, God. 
Now I'm starting to have all the side effects that come along with taking, taking such strong medications. And, and my life is now being controlled by the medicine schedule. By the grace of God, somehow, some way, I, I didn't become addicted in the sense of abusing the drugs. But my body and my lifestyle became extremely dependent on the medicine. I had to time everything around it. I mean, I, I couldn't get on an airplane and then my medicine wear off and not be able to take another one for another hour or however long until my next dosage. And so I had to time it right because I didn't want to be stuck at 32,000 feet and unable to move around or get comfortable, and yet I can't take more medicine. I had to schedule the taking of the medicine around even preaching because I didn't want to be up preaching. And all of a sudden, the medicine starts wearing off, and now I feel the pain or my headaches start coming on. So it was just controlling so much. Because of the pain, I didn't want to go out to eat. When, when families would say, hey, let, let's all get together. And go, I was like, I don't want to go sit at a table because I know I just can't sit there for very long. People say, do you want to go snow skiing? No, I don't. I don't want to go snow skiing. That does not sound fun. That sounds painful. <laughs> do you want to go play putt-putt golf? No, I don't even want to play putt-putt golf. That's too painful. I can't. It was controlling my life. I would watch the clock for when I could take my next pain pill. And I would know how this would go. The first hour would consist of the medicine like taking effect, kicking in. So I knew that first hour at least, hey, hope is coming, but I'm waiting for it to kick in. Right about that one hour mark, you could just feel it changing. Strong medication, strong drugs, you could, you could feel it kicking in. So the second and third hour, it was not that the pain went away, but I was taking so much medicine, it was just I was living in a fog. And then that fourth hour, I would spend coming down from the high, very, very irritable, just wanting to be away from people, uh, away from noise. I'd want to just get somewhere and just curl up and wait it out until I could take my next pain pill. That was my new normal. But each year we'd have to increase it, more and more medicine. So my wife says to our, our doctor at one point, said, hey, I see what this is doing to him. I see all the side effects. I see how this is controlling his life, and I, I know what it's doing to his insides. Won't this just at some point, this is going to kill him, all of these drugs in his system? And the doctor's response was, at this point for Scotty, it's not a matter of quantity of life. It's a matter of with his years that he will have left because of taking all of his stuff, how do we help with the quality of life, or at least with the medication? he can at least function. How many of you know that is not the answer that my wife was looking for? But it was our normal. It was our new reality. Not wanting to give up and continue to research, I found out about this pain management program at the Mayo Clinic, and it was a three-week program to where you go and you check in for three weeks, and they help you to learn to manage your pain. One of the first things that they said to me was they said, Scotty, you've got to get off of all of the medication. We've got to take away all of your medication. And I thought there in that moment, the Mayo Clinic, man, that's, that's like leading healthcare, you know, in the world. These are, these are brilliant people. They're smart people, and, and, and they know a lot. And when they said, we need to get you off of all of your medication, I'm like, as smart as they are, they are wrong. This is not going to work. I, I cannot get off this medicine. They said, you're going to have to trust us because with your chronic condition, your chronic pain condition, these drugs are not only not helping, 
they're exasperating the situation, they're making it worse, and you're having to live with all of the additional side effects that come along with taking such strong narcotics. So they took three days to get me off of the medication. I wish they had taken three months to kind of wean me off. You know what I'm saying? Because that was a rough, rough three days. My body going through withdrawals because for over 20 years of that being the way that I coped with my pain, and now it's being taken from me, all of the, I just, I thought that I was going to die. I was not sleeping at night, so I was staying up around the clock, just dealing with pacing the floor, just going back and forth, just going, I can't take this. This is too much. Not to mention the psychological thought of, I used to go to that. I was at least, I'm feeling pain, but I know I'm only an hour away. I'm only 30 minutes away, and I can take another pain pill, but now I don't have that to look forward to. I know that it's gone. I don't have any crush or anything to help me with my pain. It was, it was one of the low points in all of my life. I called out to God, begged God for help, and God didn't answer how I wanted him to. Have you ever been in a season of your life where you've been going through some sort of pain and you are pleading with heaven, but for whatever reason, God chose to not answer the way you wanted. I had a lot to wrestle through theologically during that phase. And yet I'm thankful for God's word because it never leaves us alone. It never leaves us to figure it out by ourselves. But it's always the place when we run to, we will find truth. Even if it's a tough truth, we will find his truth. And that's why I love so much this portion in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 as we look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul had a situation, he called it his thorn in the flesh. Most likely some type of physical condition or physical pain that he was asking God to take away. He was pleading with the Lord to remove it. Let's pick it up and just see how he says that. In chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, verse 8, Paul says, Three different times I begged God to make me well again. Each time he said no. A lot of times when we're going through pain, and we're calling out for help, and it doesn't seem like God is responding the way we want to, we can be tempted to think that God has not heard our prayer. We can be tempted to think that God has not answered our prayer. But how many of you have walked with God long enough to know He always hears, He always answers, it's just that sometimes His answer is no. So we don't need to give the devil the satisfaction of distorting that in our minds so we lose sight of the fact that God is with us. He does care. He has answered. He's just at work in a way that we don't fully understand. So he says, each time God said, no, but I'm with you. That is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Have you ever read a verse of Scripture and you thought you could just lob up a suggestion to heaven on how that could be rewritten? Have you ever done that before when reading your Bible? Because I know that that's truth. I know that Scripture. I know God said it. But I'm like, what if you said my power shows up best in 
healed people. Like you could write that, Lord, and go ahead and just heal my back, and that would be an awesome story right there. And sometimes when God, sometimes he does take it away, but sometimes when he doesn't, we're left with to wrestle with thoughts. And there are some people who the enemy has convinced you, and in part because of some wrong theology at times, where people will say to you that the reason you're in your painful situation that you're in is because there is sin in your life. For some of you, that may be something that you're struggling with. Now listen, it is never a bad time to evaluate your heart. It is always a good time to search your heart. So if you're carrying some type of pain, it is true that we can ultimately trace it back to sin. The consequence of sin is pain, heartache, brokenness, death. Yes, so all all pain can be traced back to sin. It's always a good time to evaluate your heart and go, God, is there anything in my life that's going on that is bringing this pain on me? And if it is, then stop, repent of it, and ask God to heal you. Great place to start. But if you've done that and you're honoring the Lord with your life, you're walking according to his word, and you still have pain in your life, don't allow the enemy to convince you that you have pain in your life because there's some sin in your life. For some people, they're lied to in the sense of it's because you don't have enough faith. The reason you have not been healed is because you have not had a strong enough faith. And yet the only problem with either one of those is that's not how God responds to Paul. God does not say to him, Paul, it's because you have sin in your life. Or Paul, it's because you lack faith. But look at it. Let's pick it up with verse 9. I'm reading now from the NIV version. It says, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm like, Paul, that is exactly the opposite of what I feel when I'm wrestling that way with pain. I'm just like, I don't feel strong. I feel broken. I feel Ouch, that's what I feel like. I feel the pain. And yet, I don't think that it's because there's sin in my life. I don't think that it's because of a lack of faith. I don't understand it. I don't fully get it. But I'm learning something through this process. I know that God is at work, and I want to be able to better understand what it means when Paul says, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. I know that I have pain, but I want pain to have its proper place, not its free reign in my life. So I'd like to ask you this question, and we'll answer it together today from Scripture. What do you do when God chooses to allow the pain to stay in your life? I'm going to pray at the close of our message today that God would heal people. I'm going to pray and believe that he'll deliver you from pain. How many of you know that the healer's in the house, that our God is a miracle-working God? Aren't you thankful for that? Come on, put your hands together if you just know that God's a miracle-working God. We're going to pray and we're going to believe for that. And yet I'm about to teach you from the Word of God how to respond when God answers your prayer with a no. 
What do you do when God chooses to allow the pain to stay? Three things. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. Number one is this. Don't allow what you don't understand about God. Don't allow what you don't understand about God to keep you from trusting what you do understand about him. Don't allow what you don't understand about God to keep you from trusting what you do understand. I have prayed for people before to be healed, and they were. I have placed my hands on people before and said, in Jesus' name, be healed. And they said, I feel the presence of God. Some have said, the pain is gone. How many of you know when I'm praying for them and they say that, I'm like, really? How many of you know when I pray and they say, God has healed me, that I go, God, give me some of that. Lord, did it run out? What happened? Why am I still in pain? There are some things I don't understand. There are some things I don't get. But I've decided that when I'm walking with a God that I don't fully understand, I'm going to choose to rest in the characteristics of God, the person of God that I do understand. As a matter of fact, let me say it this way. How many of you know that it's a good thing that our God is not so small that a brain your size and my size can fully comprehend him? Aren't you glad that he's bigger than our understanding in that sense? We want to reduce him down to where, like, I get it, I understand you. I'm like, actually, I don't. I'm glad that you are bigger than me. I'm glad that you're greater than. I'm glad that you know more. I'm greater. I'm glad that I can trust in that and rest in that. So now what I'm learning to do with my understanding about God is that when I don't understand his ways, I'm going to trust in his word. I have yet to be healed in the sense of the symptoms of my pain have not been removed, but I'm choosing instead to run to my healer instead of away from it. See, a lot of people, when they're like, God, you're, you're not answering. God, I'm asking you to do this. And when God does not respond when and how they want him to, they get mad or angry at God. And so now all of a sudden, because they, they turn their back on God and they run from God, I've had people ask me before, how can you be so strong in the Lord? How can you still worship God? How can you still run to him in spite of all the pain that you're experiencing and God has not chosen to heal you? How can you stay with God. And my thought is, I've never str I've struggled with a lot. I've never struggled with that because where would I go? Think about it. Where, where am I going? God, that's it. You didn't heal me. You didn't do it when and how I wanted you to. So I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, because you didn't do it the way I wanted you to, your chances are over, okay? Now I'm going to, what am I going to do? But a lot of people do. Self-medicate. Mad at God. I'm living with this pain and you won't help me. I'm living with this pain. You won't take it away. I'm living with this pain and you won't do it. And so they'll run and try and drown their sorrows with alcohol. They'll turn to drugs. They'll start abusing prescription drugs. People in this room today doing things, trying to somehow escape the pain. And I'm not minimizing the pain. I'm just saying think about 
I'm trying to challenge you. Don't run from the healer. You need him more than ever. Don't run from him. Now you're doing something that is not only not helping, but it's hurting. You are, as I was, exasperating the problems. You are not taking care of that. You're creating more scars. Now because of the abuse, because of the choices, because of the decisions, because you were looking for pleasure just in something, so you got involved in some relationship. Why? You're just trying to get away from the things that are hurting and painful, but you're creating more and more and more and more and more pain. Now you're losing your marriage. Now you don't have time with your kids, or now you're losing your job, or now your finances are crazy and out of control. You're just making things worse. When you don't understand, don't run from him. That's the moment that you need his grace to be sufficient more than ever. Run to him. Look to him. Trust in him. You need to be close to God when you're carrying pain. And whatever you do, don't blame your lack of love for God or your lack of commitment to God on your pain. Because pain will never kill your commitment to God. It will simply reveal your commitment to God. It will just show you where you are. When people say, I used to, but this happened, now I'm mad, I don't want to have anything to do with God. No, no, no. When you're committed to God, what you're saying is, I'm committed to love you, serve you, and worship you no matter what I go through. Whenever I find myself wanting to turn my back because of some circumstance, what that really did was reveal my love for him all along. So in those moments, God is allowing me to see the condition of my heart Because God wants to grow me. Why? Because my priority is my personal comfort. God's priority is my personal character. He cares more about who I am. He cares more about me becoming more like him. He's a good, good father. As a dad, when I see my kids going through something difficult, when I see them experiencing some pain, you know what I want to do? I want to sweep in and rescue them. And I want to I I protect them. I want to pull them out of that situation. But you know what? Because of my love, there are times that I choose not to. There are times I realize, no, you need to walk through this. But what they may not understand is I can see what's on the other side of this. And I know that this is not forever. You'll make it through. But with God, sometimes we forget about that. But I want you to know whenever you hit rock bottom or you're feeling that pain and you're wondering where is God, the question can be answered this way. God is at work. He is with you in the midst of your pain. Can you say amen to that? Let me give you a second thing. What do you do when God chooses to allow the pain to stay? Number two, refuse to waste your pain. Refuse to waste your pain. Show of hands again. How many of you would raise your hand and say, you know what? I've experienced pain or I'm experiencing pain in my life right now. Come on, raise it up. Raise it up. Keep it up. Look around the room. So just about every single person in this room. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, you will have difficulty. You will have pain. You will have problems. What is he saying? In this sin-cursed world that you and I live with, there's going to be difficulty and pain and brokenness. Why? Because this is earth, not heaven. As long as you're here, there's going to be stuff that you got to work through. There's going to be cancer. There's going to be diabetes. There's going to be back pain. There's going to be depression. There's going to be anxiety. There are things that you have to work through. But then he doesn't leave us there. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Are you glad that God just calls it like it is? He doesn't like make it sound prettier than it is. He says, you're going to have difficulty, but don't let it get you down. Yes, it's going to be painful. So I'm just deciding if I'm going to have pain, 
I'm going to refuse to waste it. I may as well accomplish something with it because anytime I'm walking with God, I can know that there are always, there's always a purpose to my steps. Are you hearing this? Now, if you're rebelling against God, if God's word is saying walk this way, you're like, no thanks, I'm going to walk this way. Well, you can try and find purpose all day long in your pain, but the reason you're experiencing pain is because you're rebelling against God. But when you're walking with God and he allows you to go through some fire, he allows you to carry some pain, you can go through that with this sense of peace knowing that there's a purpose to your pain. You know the most unbearable pain ever is pain without a purpose. Oh, you're carrying that? You're dealing with that just because? That'd be miserable. But what I know is even when I don't understand it, but I'm walking with God, I have this confidence, I have this deep, deep, unshakable peace that somehow, someway, the God's grace is going to be sufficient in my situation, and he's going to bring some purpose out of my pain. I can see a break in the clouds. I know that there's a product on the other side of this. I know that there's a profit that I will get to enjoy if I simply don't give up. But pain will never leave you the way it finds you. Pain will never leave you the way it finds you. You will either get better or you will get worse. You will get bitter or you will get better. I've chosen to look at it and say, I want pain to move me forward. I want to find purpose in it. So instead of asking the question of why, come on, anybody ever asked why before? You know you have. Don't look at me so spiritual like that. You know that you have. Why me, God? instead he don't even like you God you know you felt like that before they don't even serve Jesus atheist over here healthy you're like oh Lord put it on him Jesus why 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 when you're looking for purpose what if you asked what Lord what are you showing me what do you want to speak to me what do you want to say what are you doing in my life God will use your pain to speak to you. C.S. Lewis said it this way, God speaks to you in your pleasures, but he shouts to you in your pain. Pain is God's megaphone. I don't know all that God wants to speak to me. I don't know all that he wants to do. I don't know all of the purpose that's in your pain, but I know in Paul's situation, and I find it true in mine, he said, Paul, I'm going to allow this to help keep you humble because the way I'm working in you, the way I'm using you, you're going to be tempted to become dependent on self, or you're going to be you're going to be tempted to become prideful. He said, "I'm allowing this just to keep you humble." Can I tell you that I've seen that in my life enough to where I just want to be like, "Okay, God, here's a deal. I'll just go ahead and be humble if you'll go ahead and just take the back pain away." You ever felt like that? Like, what? Name it, Lord. Whatever it is, just name it. I'll do it. And I don't know all that God's doing, but I know he's used this pain to humble me. It's, it's humbling. I, I, I can't do things that most people can do, and i, I got to be careful. You know one of the most humbling pictures? Let me give you one. It's when I'm traveling with, at the time, my wife was pregnant, and here she is, pregnant. Everybody knows she's pregnant, and we're on an airplane, and I can't lift my luggage because I can't lift it, but my pregnant wife is over there getting my bag off the floor and putting it up in the shelf, you know, in the overhead compartment, and I got guys looking at me like, you sorry, pathetic excuse for a husband. 
I just want to grab the little microphone. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the flight. Just want you to know I've had four back surgeries, so you, sir, in the blue shirt, quit judging me, all right? Back off. That's what I want to tell you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I just want to tell everybody. But I get it that with my back, I just have to rely on the Lord. I have to stop caring about how I might be perceived by others. I, might, I have to accept the fact I may be misunderstood at times. But I can be driven back to this place of, God, I'm living for you. It's all for you. I know that God has used it to humble me. I know this as well. I know that in my suffering, there's a story that God wants to use. And up until this point in my life, going on 29 years now of living with this pain. Don't have the medicine anymore. I still have the pain. I still keep doing what I'm doing, but... I love that I get to preach, but before I preach, I am like managing my energy because I know that I can't stand for very long. Between services, I try and find somewhere to lie down. Why? Because I know i got to get up and do it again. I have to live like that. Looks like my family has to work around me and my back pain. So, yes, it's humbling, but as I've started talking about this after 29 years, now I'm starting to tell this story. And here's what I'm learning. I've got people coming up saying, God's used your story to encourage me in my suffering. And I look at that and I think, I've been praying for all these years. God, just think what it could do for your kingdom if you would heal my back. And God may choose to heal me. I'm still praying that he will. You never give up. You continue to pray. But I'm learning that God sometimes says, just think, Scotty, how I can build my kingdom if I could preach a story, not through your healing, but through your suffering. That's not an easy word for me to hear. I'm like, yeah, well, back to that first thing that I mentioned. How about that idea? Can we go back to that? Who better to walk someone through a situation to where he just lost his job than someone who's gone through the loss of a job and God sustained you and you say, man, I've been there. I'm with you. Who better to comfort and encourage a family that's raising a special needs child than someone who's walked that long, difficult road? And said, man, I know how hard that is. But God helped us and he can help you. Let me share my story. Who better to be with someone who's addicted to some type of behavior, some type of drug, whatever, than someone who's been on that road and come out on the other side and said, you know what? Let me share my story of addiction with you. I want you to know that no matter what you're suffering with, there's a story there. And your pain doesn't have to be without a purpose. Refuse to waste it. Choose to use it. Take it and say, Lord, I pray that you would heal me. I pray that you would take it away. And I trust that you're a big God. You're a great God. And you have the power to do it. But I also trust that you're wise enough to know what is best. And so, Lord, if you choose to work through my suffering, you can use me. The truth is your greatest sense of purpose often comes from your deepest point of pain. Refuse to waste it. Let me give you this third and this final thought, and we're going to wrap up. Not only would I encourage you, if you find yourself living with pain and wanting to persevere through pain, should you trust God for what you do know about him in the times that you're confused, not only should you refuse to waste it, but third and finally, think Long term, think long term. 
Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our, listen to how he describes it, for our light and momentary troubles. See, I'm like, well, maybe for Paul. <laughs> Mine are light. Anybody can relate to that? You're like, yeah, light's not what comes to my mind momentary troubles. I'm like, try 29 years, Paul, how you define momentary. I don't know how you define momentary. For, but it's all relative, see. As a follower of Jesus, we know that we're here right now, but we're not right here forever. We know that there are some long days and there are some long nights, but joy comes in the morning. We know that this is not all there is. He says, for our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us a, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Think long term. How do you do it? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The Word of God is saying, even when you're going through something that's difficult, listen, compared to the glory, compared to where you're headed, this is nothing. God's grace is so much bigger than your pain. God's healing is so much stronger than your difficulty. God is able to not only sustain you, but He's taking you somewhere that you cannot even comprehend. How, how many of you are looking forward to heaven? Anybody looking forward to heaven? I'm telling you, when I'm going through, I, I, I tell you when I'm most excited about heaven. When I'm experiencing my greatest point of pain. And nights are the hardest for me. I struggle at night. Because during the day, one of the things the Mayo Clinic taught me is just how to distract yourself. You can't go to medicine, but you just distract yourself. So they, one of the ways of managing it is to not think about it. And I'm like, I don't think the Mayo Clinic came up with that. I think Jesus came up with that. Says instead of just getting consumed with all of the problems of this world, fix your eyes, throw your thoughts on heaven, and know that no matter what you're carrying, you don't have to fix it or figure out or make it go away because you might be discouraged to find that you can't. But you can know that your current reality is not your forever forecast. God is never saying deny the reality of your pain. He's lifting your eyes to a greater reality, and that is soon and very soon we're going to see the king. There's going to be no more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache, no more disease. I can't wait for heaven. Anybody else? So for me, heaven isn't simply a destination, it's my inspiration. For me, it's not just where I'm going, but it's what gets me through what I'm going through. For me, I'm choosing to think long term because I know that God's grace is sufficient and when I'm at my weakest, God is saying, I've got you, I'm with you, trust me. Wrap up by telling the rest of the story of the Mayo Clinic when I got ready to leave. They wanted me to meet with their council of doctors who were doing the study that all of us patients were going through on chronic pain. They had doctors from all over the world, some of the world's best, brightest. I mean, it was just, it was a very intimidating atmosphere. 
around this conference table that nearly filled the entire room. A female doctor from Germany lowers her glasses and she looks over at me and she says, we've looked at all of the information and we've now spent this time with you and we've concluded that until you're willing to get honest with your situation and with your pain, we're not going to be able to help you to manage it. You need to begin to answer honestly. Well, I didn't know exactly what she meant, but I was pretty sure she just called me a liar in front of all these people in here. And so I said, I'm sorry, but I don't understand. She said, looking at all of the different tests, written tests, physical tests, oral tests, psychological tests, all of these different things, she said, someone carrying your level of pain should be severely depressed but you're saying repeatedly that you do not battle with depression. I was like, I don't. She said, looking at all of the results, comparing all of the different answers, someone with your level of pain, you should be having suicidal thoughts, but you repeatedly answer that you are not considering or contemplating suicide. She said, your data is conflicting. This is not measuring up. It's not lining up. You're not being truthful. I said, oh, I see what's going on right here. You setting me up to preach, aren't you, Jesus? So I said, well, I, I think I can explain. I said, honestly, I'm not depressed, but it's not because I'm not hurting. I said, <laughs> constant signal to my brain, ouch, 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 24-7. Pain in my back, down my legs, in my feet. I live with it. I said, but I have a relationship with Jesus, and I have this joy, and the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. My joy is not based on circumstances. My hope is with him. I just started talking about Jesus. I said, I'm not suicidal because I have a peace that I can't even comprehend, certainly can't explain. All I can tell you is my peace is not tied to the absence or the presence of pain or the lack of pain, but my peace is tied to a person, the Prince of Peace, and his name is Jesus. And I started telling them about Jesus without blinking because I'm telling you, I hurt, but he heals. I'm telling you, it's hard, but he's with me. I finished and they said, well, If you're going to be able to make it through your conditions and your situations, our advice to you is you're going to need to change careers because you may be able to make it for a season, but we understand you travel, we understand that you speak and talk places and things like that, and we get it that and they're telling me that the pressures of working at a local church, the stress of dealing with, the stress of ministry, the traveling, the adrenaline spikes that come from getting up and talking. They said this is going to wear you out and you're not going to be able to use the medicine anymore. You're going to have to change careers. And I tried to respectfully just tell them, in essence, he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. 
He called me to do it. He'll equip me to do it. I'm not trying to pretend like it's always easy. I'm just telling you it's always worth it. He's with me. I'm still praying for healing, but his grace is sufficient. I just refuse to allow pain to write my story, even though it's a part of it. The devil is not the author of what's going on in my life. God is writing his story in my life. Is that true for you? Is that what you want for your situation, for God to tell the story? I want you to hear it today. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're carrying, I want you to know there's a healer in the house. I want you to know that God's not intimidated by your problem. He's not stumped by your pain. With one word, it can flee. It can be gone. And we're going to pray that he will. If God chooses to allow the pain to stay, what will you do? What will be your attitude? What will be your choice? Will you run to him or will you run from him? When the devil tries to sow lies and deception and discouragement into your heart, are you going to allow that to take root? Are you going to refuse that? If you're going to say, Lord, I'm instead, I'm going to fix my eyes on you. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know he's coming soon. I don't know when this expiration date strikes and the pain is gone, but I know it's not going to last forever. I'm going to choose to live today with my hope set on eternity. And I want you to know that the same can be true of you, that you can have peace in the midst of your pain, that you can have joy no matter what you're going through. Run to him, not from him. Do you receive that today? Come on, would you just praise the Lord? If you receive that word, I want to pray over you. I want to pray over you right now. Would you stand to your feet all over the room? Just stand up. I want to pray over you. And I know that there are people in here today, you're just saying, Scotty, I need healing. Scotty, the pain is unbearable. Then let's pray and let's believe that the God who is greater than any pain, that the God who is above any sickness and disease, that he would move in this place right now. If you have a need in your body, if you have an emotional pain, if you have a pain from abuse and you just need God to step in and to work miraculously in your body or in your life, would you just lift a hand toward heaven right now? Come on, if you want healing in your body, healing in your mind, whatever it is that you need God to remove the pain, just by faith, an uplifted hand, you just pray and ask him right now. Come on, let's pray together. God, I thank you that you see every hand lifted in this place. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is moving right now through every aisle, through every row, and every seat, Lord, and there's no one too far that you can't reach them. I pray right now in Jesus' name for those that are battling with depression. I pray, Lord, that you would break that depression in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would lift it, that you would set them free, and that the joy of the Lord would be their strength. I pray that they would leave with a song in their heart today, singing, knowing that you've helped them, that you've delivered them. Lord, for those battling anxiety, I pray that you would set them free in Jesus' name. Now give them a peace that passes all understanding. Come on, receive it. If this is for you today, just receive it. Lord, I pray against cancer right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would be the healer. Lord, even though the doctors have said it was incurable. Lord, I pray that you would speak life, health, and wholeness into their bodies in Jesus' name. For those battling with migraines, I pray, Lord, that you would deliver them. Give them a testimony of how they prayed and you heard and you answered with a yes. And now, Lord, I pray a deeper prayer. I pray that if you choose to allow us with our hands lifted right now to leave this place, then the pain is not yet gone. I pray, Lord, that you will receive our praise even as we sing through tears. 
I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us in our faith, knowing that even though sometimes we might get knocked down, we're not knocked out. Knowing, Lord, that you will uphold us, you will sustain us, and we can persevere through whatever amount of pain because you hold us, Lord, with your hand. I pray that they would have a joy that's unsinkable, a, a peace that's indescribable. I pray that there would be pep in their step and a smile on their face when people ask how. They'll say, I'm so glad you asked. And they'll point to King Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to pray one final prayer. If you're in here today and you say, Scotty, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. I want to commit or recommit my life to Christ. Listen, it's not too late for you today. No matter where you've been and what you've done, if you know that you're not right with God, you've chosen your own path, sin has come between you and your relationship with God. Today, all of your sins can be forgiven because of the work of the cross. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and mine, to pay your sin debt and mine so that we wouldn't have to. And if today, if you need a fresh start, if you need a clean slate, if you want to be born all over again, if you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to lift your hand right now all over the room. Come on, raise it up. Raise it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hands all over the room. Anybody else? Raise it up. I want to commit or recommit my life to Christ. Come on, slip your hand up. Everybody in this room, pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, dear God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for not giving up on me. Today I commit my life to following you. And I thank you for washing my sins away. I will serve you wholeheartedly as the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and praise the Lord for saving souls. Thank you, God. I pray that there will be stories of healing that just took place. And I praise God and thank God for those of you that will join with me and that God's going to work through your pain and through your suffering. We can leave this place knowing that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Serve Him today. Smile in Jesus' name. We'll see you back next week. God bless you. You're dismissed.